Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Dwayne. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sammy. On this episode, we've got my pick of this scary movie month of October. Halloween-ish. I Am Legend, 2007, directed by Francis Lawrence, starring Will Smith. And I think Francine the... The German Shepherd. I think that was her name. Abby. I forget. Abby. <laughs> Abby. Okay, yeah. I knew it Abby. was. Yeah. Sam. Uh, Sam in the movie Abby. Yeah. Uh, was the was the animal actor? They mm-hmm. should have gotten like co-billing. Yep. I mean, yep. Yeah. Well, in a cast of not one hundred people, <laughs> let's move to our keeping one hundred section. It's time to keep it one hundred. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. All right, I'm leading off this uh, Keeping 100, so I've got a 100 seconds to tell you guys about something pretty cool. And as I bring my timer up, because I'm a slacker, all right. Netflix has a documentary. Now, guys, this is a race. This comes out Monday morning. This thing leaves Netflix at midnight on the 22nd, which is this Friday. Echo in the Canyon. Surprise, surprise, it's a music documentary. Uh, Jacob Dylan, Beck, Fiona Apple, Regina Spector, and a lot of other uh, singers dive into the Laurel Canyon area in the late 60s, early 70s, as folk was emerging into rock scene. They have interviews and performances of songs by the Mamas and the Papas, Crosby, Stills, Nash Young, Buffalo Springfield. They have... Tom Petty, they have Ringo Starr, Eric Clapton, Stephen Stills, uh, Michelle Phillips, all of these great artists as they, you know, explore the music and how it changed the scene, how it evolved from folk to rock. And it's just a ton of fun. You can see some great performances. So, Echo in the Canyon. Okay. Question. If you have a outright violent allergy to folk music, can you still enjoy this documentary? You can still enjoy it because, like I said, now, like I said, this is where you're, 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 uh, you know, like the oh. birds. You know, yeah, Roger McGuinn's all over this thing. So this is where your folk music is turning into the hippie. You know, it's getting electrified. You don't, you don't have the answers blown in the wind. You know, you don't have the this land is your land. You've got, you know, um, California dreaming. You've got uh, you know, teach your children well. You've got all these great hits. Okay. All right. I'm interest is a little peaked. Right. <laughs> and 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 that, that's an interesting era because, like you said, it's that transition from kind of one genre to the next, and and you start seeing that that change yeah. in the sound. Yeah. How that how that evolution is, and you get some great stories from these old artists. And I'll tell you guys what really surprised me about. It, I I wasn't aware this was in there. But you have a band fronted by Jacob Dylan, you know, Bob Dylan's son, lead man for the Wallflowers. He has his backup singers are Fiona Apple, Beck, Regina Spector, and Cat Powers. Hmm. I mean, hello. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's the band. You know? Yeah. And I think those those transitional eras are really interesting. Really interesting in music. Yeah. yeah. When when you see that evolution, you know, because it comes from the folk through the a little bit of the rock and you get and you, you see some country start to weave in there. You see some blues start to weave in there. Some psychedelia, you know, happening as as uh, it comes out and, and the different directions, you know, that the artists took. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the one that really documents your favorite era transitioning to my favorite era. You know, the hair metal to grunge. <laughs> grunge yeah. I'd love to see a long you know, sort of exploration of, of how that, that just mm-hmm. a dramatic and rapid transition happened. I, I would love to deep, I deep dive on that. Yeah, that would be really interesting. And that kind of started, uh, as I'm going off a rabbit trail, that kind of started with you know, even Guns N' Roses' attitude, mm. uh, you know, 1987, you know, because your, your hair metal just kind of got so silly at one point. You know, it was such a great genre, so so. But these guys started sacrificing songwriting for technicality and hairspray. You know, you <laughs> sacrifice talent for hairspray and makeup. You know, just it was all about the look. And then, you know, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden comes in and just 
kicks it in the Pearl you know, Jam. Yeah. Kicked it in the Pearl Jam and and really made it happen. <laughs> yeah. Just got it back to pure <laughs> punk rock. <yeah>. Yep. <laughs> well, on that note, Sammy, you're up next. <laughs> All right, so I'll go ahead and start my timer. Um, you know, with the release of Bond 25, I felt it was time to revisit Daniel Craig's tenure as 007. Now, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to watch the whole run, but life's crazy, so I got Casino Royale. Um, so um, it kind of brought back, though, how leery I was originally. You know, when I first heard Daniel Craig was Bond, I was a little leery about this, but really the movie proved my hesitations incorrect. I think Daniel Craig was the perfect version of this younger, still somewhat untested James Bond. He's smooth, he's cool, and he gets his bum kicked about every other scene. Uh, I really can't remember Bond getting knocked around this much. Um, I know that Craig's Bond has kind of lost a little bit of tarnish because of the subsequent movies, but Casino Royale, I think is definitely worth a revisit just to see how this all started. And that's why it's making my QB 100 this week. See, I just, I, I did, I did the Craig Bond movies just wrong. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Casino Royale. I watched Skyfall and about 30 minutes of Spectre. And that's all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Spectre is to me is just too long. It just goes on for way too long. Well, I felt like I'd watched the whole movie in the first thirty minutes, and yeah. I wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> yep. Wow. And like I said, I really enjoy Casino Royale. I hadn't watched it in a, in a sizable amount of time. Now, by all accounts, I've heard Casino Royale is the best of of Craig's run, from from what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, from what I remember, and I haven't seen Skyfall in a long time, um, I liked Skyfall pretty well, but Spectre I just struggled with. Because like you said, most of the movie's in the first 30, and then it just kind of keeps going on and on and on and on. So I thought the first 30 minutes were pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> well. So, but uh, Casino Royale. Check it out. <laughs> now, now, when, when does, when does uh, Bezos get these? Are, are they on... Amazon Prime yet, or are they still on Paramount? I'm not for sure. Okay. See, I've got my set. I've got a Blu-ray set of ah. all the Bond from everybody. It's one big set with with everybody from Connery through Craig. So okay. the, the last I saw, there was quite a few on Prime. Mm-hmm. There were. Well, they own. They own, I don't remember how that work. They, they own like fifty percent of Bond, right? Because they yeah. they got all of everything else, but Bond is as the bro- the deal with the yep. broccoli. The broccoli's basically yeah. still have creative control. And I think they still have like an overall say, yeah. but as far as release and on like platform releases, it will be through Amazon. Okay. So, okay, I'll give Casino Royale a chance. I'm never watching Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> It'll have to be picked to be reviewed on this show. And honestly, I have no memories of Quantum of Solace, so I have to. I'm going to end up no, going back. No, I was. I'm wrong. I. I didn't watch Skyfall. I watched Quantum of Solace. Okay, I, I had I got the titles wrong. I gotcha. liked it well enough. I, I could I could tell I was missing stuff. Right. Because I think it I think it starts like five minutes after Casino Royale ends, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, I, I felt like it was I was watching like half a movie, but yeah. At some point, I will get back to watching all of them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like that one well enough. Spectre was yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that'll be skipped. Um. All right, I'm up next. Here we go. Okay, so my keeping hunter this week is Black Widow. Okay, I'm reading the full official title. It's a it's a dumb title. Um, Marvel does this. I don't know why. Black Widow by Kelly Thompson, Volume One: The Ties That Bind. Um, guess who wrote it? It's Kelly Thompson. Um, but the so but so Black Widow had been out of print for a little bit. She she hadn't had an ongoing series for a while, and so they re, so they relaunched this one with Kelly Thompson writing. Who's she's my favorite Marvel writer at the moment. It's just me. Apparently, her series always get canceled. Um, but the story starts in an interesting place. Um, Natasha is just walking around San Francisco. She's got like a weird haircut. Um, she's got like, she's not doing Natasha type things. And we kind of follow her throughout a day. By the end of the first issue, we see that she's an architect now. Um, she goes to a house. She's got a fiance. She's got a toddler. Um, and then we see that Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier have tracked her down and are watching her house from across the street. And are, are doing surveillance on Natasha. And it turns out that she's been missing for a few months. Just a few months. How does she have a fiancé? 
How does she have a toddler? This kid is talking. He's walking. Um, how did this happen? And so that this first story arc sort of unpacks that mystery of how this all became a thing. Because she's been gone like three months. <laughs> I mean, but she seems so happy in ways she's never seemed happy before. Well, it's this, it's this big mystery, like a spy-type mystery, and it's really good. And Kelly Thompson's, a, I think, Marvel's best writer right now. And Elena Casagrande's art is awesome. So, yeah, that's my keeping her this week. Awesome. Uh, I can definitely second that. I read that first arc, yeah. and it's it, 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 it's powerful. Yeah, it, it, it's very very powerful. The art's beautiful in yeah. it. Um, I'd never seen this artist before, but it's 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 yeah, stunning art. Love the art in that. Yeah. So, yep. Awesome, awesome. Well, as I alluded before, you know this movie has a very very limited cast very small cast uh has speaking roles anyway uh there's there's quite a few of the infected they call them but anyway let's get into our opening thoughts and grades sam you're leading us oh my and this was one of those i was like man i just don't know how to lead this off plus i i topped the order incorrectly so that probably is what threw me (laughs) off also um that's what I was scrambling here trying to fix while Jamie was, you know, vamping. But, uh, okay, so I guess I am leading this off. You know, I Am Legend itself is kind of one of those movies that I think falls through the cracks for me. And and what I mean by that, it doesn't readily come to mind when I kind of go through my Rolodex of cinema. But then every time I watch it, I'm like, man, this is a great movie. And, and and I don't know why it doesn't continue. I mean, this movie got Emma Thompson to play a flashback television interview character. I mean, that caliber of an actor. Uh, not even Professor Trelawney saw that one coming, right? <laughs> but I really think, you know, this shows Will Smith's range. Because, I mean, face it, this movie sits squarely between Pursuit of Happiness in 2006 and Hancock and Seven Pounds in 2008. That's an interesting range of movies there when you look at those. Um, but this is the, the type of movie for me, Will gets the chance to totally flex. He shows us just the type of actor he can be. And honestly, this movie gives him the room to stretch. Um, I went back and forth on this, but, but this time, I think I'm going to have to go A plus on this. I just really enjoyed this watch, guys. Yeah. Um, see, this thing, this this does a, it checks a lot of my boxes. I'm a big Will Smith fan, and not just because I grew up on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> I think he's just a really good actor. Yeah. And I think he's he's an old school style movie star in ways that we don't really we don't make him that way anymore. Uh, not not as much. And I think it may be because there's so uh, such a diverse media now. <coughs> that there's there's not as not as easy to create movie stars in the same way. But Will Smith just is that. He's this big personality. But he's not just that. He's a real actor. And I think I think that gets overshadowed sometimes because he's in a lot of action movies doing movie star things. He's not always doing actor things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also got a thing for dystopian and post-apocalyptic stories. It's like my, it's like my favorite thing. I just, it just, I love him. And if you do it well and do it in an interesting way, bring something new to it, I mean, you're halfway home for me. And so you bring Will Smith to this genre, I mean, <laughs> just halfway nail it. And it's based on a Matheson story. I mean, um, but it, it is just a genuinely, it's a good movie. Um, and it's a very emotionally powerful movie. And so, I mean, I'm with Sammy. This is an A+. Plus. I love this movie. And this it's got flaw. It's not perfect, but you don't have to be perfect to be an A+. Plus. It's true. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we have a new addition to the ring here. Uh-oh. Ding, ding, ding. <clears throat> of course, this is my pick. And I, th- I was thinking, you know, when I was grading this, I was like, oh, this is going to be inflation because I love this so much. You know, it's just my great inflation. But really, as, as, I, as I watched it again, as I, you, know, you, you put on your critical glasses and you think, okay, where, where are the holes? And, you know, there are, there are holes. There's, there's some things. You know, not, not, not big ones, you know, but there's some things. It's such a compelling um, story. You know, the, the solitude, the psychosis, the stress, the trauma. 
you know, the interactions. And, and you, you talk about the Matheson story, and, and unlike my experience with Mary Shelley, I, I did go back and begin to listen to it, but I had to stop because when Robert Neville finds the dog in the book, and I remember what happens with the dog in the, in the movie, I'm like, I don't know if I can go on with this right now. i got I got to take a break. you know. But it's it's interesting because the, in Matheson's story, the parts I got through, he's only in the first few months of the thing, and it's a very different character. But then when you juxtapose Will Smith to it, you can see those parallels and how he grew into that, you know, routine of situation. Yeah, a plus entirely, entirely, you know, it's... It's a smart post-apocalyptic zombie apocalypse you know, vampire survival movie. Yeah. And did you juxtapose Charlton Heston and the Omega Man? Yeah. And think about how different those two movies are in some ways. It it, it makes it interesting, I think. Yeah. Well, I was doing research this week. This is actually the third version. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I didn't but know. It was there's yes. the first one where it's called Last Man on. I think it's the Last Man on Earth. Yes. And Vincent Price is Robert Neville. Wow, yep. that would be interesting. So we got we got Vincent Price. Charlton Heston and Will Smith. And Will Smith, yeah. No, that would be for an interesting long, long weekend to watch. Yeah, yeah for to, sure. To compare these those three. Wow. Well, well, one thing I'm glad that he had at least in his apartment with some fans because as jacked up as New York City was, it needed some circulation. And I know we've got some fans for this movie, so let's move on into our fan section. I don't think he's producing his own gasoline. So wherever he's siphoning out of it, it's not still functioning three years later. So <laughs> I, I love his house. It ain't working the way he's got it set. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm first on the fan section. And um, for me, it's the look and feel of isolation in this movie. Um, because it, it's sort of overwhelming. And it's you, you can it, it feels like it's this pressure on, on Neville the whole time through the movie. But also just like it's the it's the look of it. Like post apocalyptic New York looks both beautiful and eerie. Like it, it's it's you still it still looks like New York City. Times Square still looks like Times Square, but it's overgrown. Mm-hmm. And there's deer running through it. And there's tigers. I mean, it's just it's just that combination of like metropolitan extravagance and <laughs> vacant lot overgrowth. You know, it's just um and it's so it's this striking and weird visual. And it highlighted how much the world had changed. And how much like just the world surround the world just the world he's in had changed, but also there's the there's the internal stuff for Neville, and that's the feel of the movie and how how much you know how much he was a slave to that routine that was what little sanity he had left that that, that routine was keeping him sane, mm-hmm. going through those same motions every day, having those two watches that you know went off like crazy, telling him to do this, to do this, to do this, um, and I love the way it showed like, the way he was slipping. And for me, there's like there's two scenes that really nail the feel that really nail that the the psychosis of Neville, and it's the it's the movie rental place. Um, and I didn't know this till this week. They designed the mannequins. They're not actually mannequins. They hired professional mimes. Hmm. There's not mannequins in this movie. Those are all actual people. Well, wow. so it, it's, they wanted to create this eerie thing, like they're slightly moving. So it brings us. I had never noticed it, but like, like even like Fred when he's on the street and he's like screaming, "Fred, if you're real, yeah. you better tell me now." <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not that's not a mannequin. That's a dude. And so yeah, it's like it, so even our eyes don't register it. Like our brains don't register. Our, our brains do. They're, they're, you, you can see them breathing, and there's hmm. there's slight movements to you. So it brings us into Neville's psychosis. Wow. And so just the, but that that kind of post apocalyptic isolation and the way they present it in this movie. I mean, it's incredibly well done, and that's that's my fan. Awesome. Yeah, and you know, you see something. You talk about the visuals. You see something you never see. You know, and that's a New York City without people, without crowds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm monologue player, but oh, no, 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 it's awesome. Great. Well, you know that that was uh, uh, going to be. I've got I've got two fans written down here, but you know. You, what you talked about, you know, how his interaction with with the mannequins was was so just so wild. But I really am a fan of how the backstory unfolds in here. You know, it's it's you know they they set up his dreams, not not necessarily flashbacks, but you know it starts off with the news broadcast, and then it goes through you know 
the beginning that you see the evacuation. And then, bam, you're in prison time. And then a little bit later, you see a little bit more of that evacuation. Bam, he wakes up. You know, and, and, and as you see those beats, you see how deep he slipped. You see the, the, the extent that he's gone to, you know, uh, barricading himself, the, uh, you know, like I said, the siphoning, the gas, uh, the interactions with the rental place and the stores and the, and the things that he has to do to survive. And then, you know, bam, the story goes on and, you know, the begins to move forward with the uh, introduction of the um, the main uh, antagonist, you know, the, the, the alphas, you know, the male and female. So I love the way that unfolds really, really well. Okay. What you just said made me want to ask you a question that okay. we, we should have mentioned at the beginning. Which version did you all watch? There is an alternate. Is an alternate ending. You can you can watch a cut that has an alternate ending. Yeah, okay. yeah. I've I've got a DVD that has both endings. Yeah. You can select. Yeah. Yeah. Which ending you want to watch? Have you seen the alternate? Um, probably not. The okay. one I watched was the version that was on HBO Max. Okay. Yeah, no, that's not it. Was there a, was there a grenade involved? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That that is not the original ending. Okay. That's the one that the studio made them redo. Yeah. <laughs> That's the happy version. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd seen something about that when I was researching this. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, alternate ending. Yeah, yeah. but you're, you're, you're alpha, the alpha language you're talking That's only in the alternate stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it made me wonder. Yeah. Hmm. Because you, the, I, I have a, the physical, like when you've got, I've got the physical copy that has the alternate thing on it, um, I bought a digital copy because I had to watch it on my iPad this week. It doesn't even have the option. Oh wow! So I think I think they're phasing that out. And so. and that was really I mean I prefer that. I do too. It's so much better. And you know the, the interesting thing too is when you meet the alpha in this movie, the, the alpha male and female. You also have the alpha in the book, which was a friend of his. You know, a guy that he worked with. Ben so. Cortman. Yeah, being Cortman, and, and you know, he would come and call him nightly. You know, come out and be with us. You know, and and the, and the females would entice him, and the, and you know that loneliness and and desire was so strong in there. And and you see here how he's barricading himself in, and he talks in the book. I'll soundproof the house tomorrow. I'll soundproof the house tomorrow. You know, but he's making all these other preparations and just getting lost in depression and and yeah. Very yeah. interesting. If you want, we'll probably, I don't know if we should say it on the air or not, but we'll, t- we'll tell you about it. Because it, it's hard to find now, the alternate right. ending. And so yeah, if you want to, really we'll tell you is. about it after we're done. I've read a little bit about it, just okay. like as far as just a synopsis of the differences okay. between, as far as the ending at least. Yeah. So. I, I prefer it. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's much, yeah, much. But they're, they're phasing it out. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, like, because normally like you, you get the Amazon download, mm-hmm. it'll give you like extras at the bottom. It's not even, Mm-mm. it's not even an option. That's not there huh. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah I, have, one, I have an old DVD with it on. I'll, I'll hook you up. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray. Through and maybe kind of locate somewhere. Some, it's probably on you know, YouTube. You can find yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll loan you the DVD. Okay. You can check it Sounds out. Sounds cool. All right. I guess for my fan, you know, it's kind of partially what both of you guys talked about. You know, I think there's a stark contrast between the first half of the movie and the second half. You know, the first half goes through this depiction of post-outbreak in New York City. Um, You feel that loneliness. You feel that depression. But it almost lulls you into this false sense of security. Like, you know, as long as he keeps the routine, he's okay. As long as he keeps the routine, he's okay. Then you get that second half. And the intensity starts to ratchet up. I think, you know, and, and from the, the capture of, you know, the infected female or the dark seeker, I, I loved, I loved using that, that term dark seeker, uh, mm-hmm. the, um, the, the woman did, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the movie starts to build and you start to feel that, uh, almost security start to break away almost as Neville security is breaking away. You know, he's built up this life that he's you know, stays to himself. He's got, he's in, but then that, that storming of the house 
and everything that happens there, you know, whether it be in the the bedroom at, at, you know, at the top of the stairs or when they get to the lab. I mean, it's just such intensity at that point. Um, And it just blows away that sense of security. And I love the way that those two parts work so well together. It's it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's really one of the strengths of this movie that shows you know when he's in control, going through the routines, everything's perfect. But then you know, as a human, you can't maintain that forever. Yeah. So he had the one little slip up, the one little mistake, and it just escalates. You know, from from the wound, the head, da 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 da. Mm-hmm. You know, and then next thing you know, he's hanging you know he's he's being trapped yeah the evolution of the dark secret yeah that was yeah but it, but uh, they did a really good job of showing like how fragile that security was yeah so one little slip up and he, and even like when new when more humans show up he doesn't know he doesn't know how to deal how to deal I mean, yeah it's just it, it, his whole world had become really fragile mm-hmm. yeah yeah well guys i know we're kind of at a quiet part here you know in between he did a lot of cooking. He had a lot of food. I know he kept those pans clean. But he was saving the bacon. Saving That's the right. bacon. <laughs> like you do. All right, I'm leading off on pans. And I really don't have any any pan with the movie. You know, like I know we'd mentioned like some small holes earlier, you know, those little 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 things that could have been been more tightened up, but you know, really the only thing I would have liked to have gotten at least a glimpse of the refuge. Uh, you know, when, when um, I f- forgot the lady's name, you know, she she drives up there and, you know, and you see the fence, you see the, you see the barrier and then it goes off. But I would have liked to have got a glimpse of what life looked like in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was if it was militaristic, if it was more civilian, if it was communal, you know what what was going on behind those gates, or if she walked in and it was a, another, you know, vampire zombie town, or if Negan or the governor were running it. Exactly. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> exactly. that felt so Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. that felt so Walking Dead. So, yeah. What was it, Alexandria? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, it did. But yeah, I would, I would have liked to have gotten a glimpse of. Okay, did she, did she go to safety or did she go somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you can, I think you can see little things that either were influenced by some of Matheson's stories. You know, as far as parts of the story that maybe have touched into other areas. Um, or even maybe parts of this movie that have been kind of in other areas of zombie movies or those types of things. It, it plays on some of those tropes, but does it a little bit differently. So, But you can see that seeded through, I think. Yeah. All right. So for my pan, guys, here's the thing. You can eat all the people you want, and I'm fine. You hurt a dog. I'm hurting bad. Okay. <laughs> Especially it's a cute dog that I got attached to. It kills my soul. All right. So the only pan I really have is I could have done without the scene of Neville having to strangle Sam. That just, and I know it, it was necessary to show that, that almost that final straw, that final break. But man, it just broke my heart. Yeah. At least they didn't show it. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was so I hadn't seen this in a while, and I couldn't remember. Did they pan down? Did they pan down? But I'm so glad they kept on his face yeah. because and and the anguish on his face. That's I mean, what we'll it say, that tore anguish. me up. Gosh, yeah. And it's just, I mean, Will Smith is an actor. Yeah. yeah. And you, and it, and you said it's well acted, but yeah, man, it broke my heart. Yeah. And Jamie, you said earlier, this is the guy whose parents just didn't understand. You know, That's and right. He's, and he's pulling out these acting chops. You know, he's making it. You know, and really, who does he have to play against in this movie? Really, I mean, he carried it. His puppy, his puppy, in my in my pants. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's my I mean, pan. I wish they'd went practical with, with the Dark Seekers. Yeah. Um, apparently, they tried and couldn't make it work. I don't know why they couldn't make it work. I mean, we've seen lots of. You know, practical zombies that have worked well. We've seen lots of practical vampires that work well. These are basically zombie vampires. Yeah. 
I don't know why they couldn't make it work. But apparently, they looked they looked like angry mimes, was what they said, <laughs> and they they couldn't make it work. And so they moved the mimes over to the mannequins, and then like just did CGI. And it hasn't aged great. It still, I mean, it still works okay enough that you can get into the story. Yeah. But you have a little bit of the like the uncanny valley thing. Mm-hmm. You have the thing where the light doesn't quite work. They don't really look present. Yeah. They don't quite move right. Um, so it makes the movie look a little dated. But um, and they have that whole weightlessness thing. They don't feel like they they're, don't feel like they're present. Yeah. They don't feel like they're. Um, and they, they just don't feel present. Like even when they're fighting Will Smith, they don't feel like they're present in the same space with Will Smith. Um, so I just, it's, it bothers me. I mean, it, it, like I say, it still works well enough that I'm completely in the story and digging the story, but I, I just, I don't love the, you know, I don't love the state of CGI at that time. Yeah. So, so what are we saying? Like PlayStation cut scene kind of, kind of yeah. animation. Yeah. Um, like especially when they do the close up on the like the alpha male. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I, you're you're doing a pretty good job getting the emotion across, but that does not look like a real being. Yeah, yeah. This is episode two, yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's a little bit of a bummer because it's just such a good movie and it's such a good story that I think for people that are like slightly younger than us who are used to more advanced CGI, I think it's gonna it's it's gonna bother people. Who didn't see this when this was state of the art yeah. more right. than it yeah. does us? One of the things you're talking about the the, the way that they they animated the 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 dark seekers. I, I love that term too. It is cool. Um, <clears throat> it it's almost like you know their movements and stuff. It, you know, it's a little bit off, which is kind of okay. You know, because they're they're mm-hmm. you know they're, they're essentially the living dead. You know, but you know when the when the alpha you know and the other ones are screaming, they look almost like a cartoon. Yeah, almost yeah. like they're features distort you know and they and and their 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 forms don't behave the way real physical forms behave a little too cartoony yeah Yeah. like when they're like even when they're like they're um they're chasing him like you could tell like you know that's not the way physical bodies right would would move through that space and Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it's just it's not it doesn't i I gave it an a plus it doesn't ruin the movie for me at all but it's like you know Anybody who's like younger than like thirty five, they're probably going to be annoyed by this, yeah, because they're used to CGI that's just so much more so advanced. Spot on, yeah. yeah, but did you all feel like that maybe even the zombie dogs looked a little bit better than the zombie people? Oh yeah, just yeah. The, the little bit. I mean, there there you could tell a difference. You know, I thought the like the zombie dogs, zombie vampire dogs, whatever you want to call them, you know, they they looked a little bit better. But it's it's the it's the human thing. They're mm-hmm. like. I mean, it's just harder to make, you know, humanoid figures look real. Yep. Yep. I mean, what, what do I know, though? People like the Polar Express. I mean, people will roll with terrible. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> well, on that note, guys, let's go ahead and move to our award section. Nerdalert! All right. So I guess I'm leading off. I think I, I'm right on this, aren't I, guys? Because I had this wrong, correct? <laughs> I'm leading off on yeah, best performance. Good. I think I had the awards correct. Um I, I think we definitely have to go Will Smith as Dr. Robert Neville uh, in terms of performance. This is Will's showcase. Uh, we get to see different sides of the character. We see the intelligent virologist. We see the socially maladjusted recluse. Uh, he bounces between these moments of insanity and lucidity. Um, so I just I just thought this, like I said, I said before, this is a flex for him. And I mean, it just it stood out as a performance for me. Okay, I had Will Smith down, and it's probably the right answer. But right before I dared to drive down here, I found out a piece of information that blew my mind. Remind me, remind me what the dog's real name is. Abby. Abby. Abby was not a trained dog. They got her at a kennel three weeks before this movie, and she was purely picked out based on looks. Hmm. Wow. They trained this dog like that to do all this stuff in this movie. And she completely warmed up to it and just nailed it. So I'm going with Abby. Abby gets my best performance. She delivered on short notice. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Well, on that note, I'm flipping mine to Abby then. <laughs> yeah, Sam, Sam the dog, yes. Uh, yeah, with the, yeah, and, and not being a trained dog because, I mean, if you've ever even tried to have your own personal dog to sit, you know, it's a challenge. <laughs> 
sit, roll over, shake, you know, it's, it's a challenge to get them to do that. But to have gotten a dog from a pound three weeks prior and have, yeah, that's, that's a killer performance. I know plenty of people that have a hard time with sit. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a great peer niece. I can't teach him anything. <laughs> that's the most stubborn dog. No teaches you. <laughs> oh, he's taught me throw cookie human. <laughs> 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 who has who trained, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so, I mean, stay, staying on the adorable dog bandwagon. For my, I'm first on best scene, and it's everything from the moment when Sam runs into that building oh God. when she gets oh out. Gosh. Because it, it's not just – and it's, it's so tense. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you know Will Smith does not want to go into that building. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, he's, and he's doing the hand over the light thing. And he keeps, you know, getting a glimmer what's what's in front of him. And every time his hand is over it, he can't see. He has no idea what the zombie vampires are doing around him. And then he does it that one time, and there's that little circle of whatever the dark seekers are doing there. Like who knows what they're doing? Which that's a drops plot thread. That's my that was my backup hands. There's drops. There's a couple of drops plot threads here. But like so, there's that that little they're, they're doing this that weird quick breathing thing they do in a circle. Like, is that mm-hmm. how they sleep? Like, what are they doing? Is yeah. this some kind of civil, a new civilization thing they're doing? And then he, he finds Sam, but it's scary. And then Sam's running and he tells Sam to go and she gets out, but that's not the relief of the tension. Like he is being chased out. and yeah. he's got to get out. You know, that scene is just, I don't know that I breathe from, the, I think yeah. I suck my breath in when Sam goes in yeah. and I'm holding it until she gets out. Yep. Yeah, that's probably the, uh, the the right answer, but but I'm going to shift a little bit, and 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 I'm kind of melding two together here, but uh, really it's just every interaction with the mannequins. You know, when he, when he's in the video store, he's like he's like I'll talk to the girl, you know, I'll talk to her, you know, hey, you know, and you know he's like, hey Fred, how you doing? You know, nice. and then, and then when he sees Fred outside. Oh, Fred, you know, and I know you were talking about it earlier. Uh, Fred, you know, let me know. You've got to tell me, boy. And then, and then he has to shoot Fred. <laughs> it's so emotionally damaging that he shot I mean, the man to so, Fred. Yeah, I mean, and, and just how intense, you know, and, he, and he just can't understand. Okay, you're, 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 you're here, you're there. And, and he couldn't understand that they set a trap for him. You know, he, he had to, you know, dehumanize them that much, uh, you know, that they couldn't comprehend that. The the the, the technique technique there, but yeah, uh, all the interactions with the man with the mannequins just just. See, I I didn't find out that those were people dressed up as mannequins uh, until after I'd seen this. I want to go back and watch it again now and see if I can catch them doing slight movements. Yeah, that's and that's see what I was can, just yeah. that's what I was just yeah, thinking. Like, man, cool. I'm gonna have to go back. That's it. wild. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think even the lady when he goes and talks to her, like apparently that that's a mime as well. Like with like really thick paint on, yeah, and yeah. apparently you can see her like a little bit of a tremble or a little bit of a something. So like wow. they're all professional mimes. It's just but you're buying into his crazy so much, yeah. that, you know that that you would probably buy that too. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Well, you know, I, I guess my best thing kind of piggybacks with what Twain was saying. You know, from the moment Fred's in the wrong place, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think for me, what it is is. Up to this point, you know, every time that, you know, Neville is is doing his recordings, he's talking about how devolved the Dark Seekers are. And what we get there is, you know, they set a trap for him. And it's not just any trap. It's pretty much the exact same trap. trap that he used. So there is a level of thought, a level of comprehension with these. Um, and, and I just, I love that, you know, because I mean, for, it, it's powerful as far as the scene where, where he's losing it. Um, it's unnerving when he gets captured and he's there and you can see the sun going down and all of that stuff just kind of culminates obviously. in like I said, what broke my heart, but it's such an engaging series of events. My favorite part of that is that little line of sunlight. Yes. That's just, it's and, you're see, and you see it back. shrink and it's holding They're those dogs back. For, oh, yeah. That yep. is such a brilliant little thing to do for that scene. Yep. Yeah, that they realize. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Well, I'm up next with best character, and, and I'm going to just go ahead and, and keep mine the same because I, I did have, you know, initially I had best performance Will Smith because, you know, he's really the only you know main focus of the movie. But really, you know, 
like you said, Sam, the, the dog being trained. But I, but I just love the character that they assigned to that dog. Um, you know, just th- this companion. You know, don't like teeter vegetables either. You know, <laughs> have to have to eat twice the vegetables tomorrow. But yeah, just that. And, you know, it's just like a dog uh, would, you know, take their owner's safety above their own, you know, and, and run in and attack and, and do the things. You know, but that, but that companion, you know, that was keeping him sane, giving him an anchor mm-hmm. to something aside from the mannequins, you know, something that was real. Yeah. See, I, I went with Sam also as far as character. That's why I went with Neville for, for my performance, you know, my Oscar roles, right? So, um, and I think part of what it is is also the flashbacks, and you get to see Sam as a puppy. As a puppy. And if you've owned a dog, you know the attachment from puppy to to adult, you know, dog, and, and that attachment you go through. And even though we don't see all that, I think we can empathize at that moment that that does occur, those interactions, they just, they just, like I said, melted my heart. It just, just bathing her in, in the, in the tub and all those little things, you know, and, and I, I just thought she was such a cute puppy and she's such a good girl. And then she, you know, sacrificing herself for, for Robert. I mean, so Sam was totally my best character. <laughs> three for three. Uh, I love, I love Sam. And like, and the more I, the trivia I dug through about Sam, the more I just fell in love with that dog. They didn't have to train. They they had all these preparations for training her how to use a treadmill. She just hopped on it and ran with Will Smith. They didn't have to train her. She just loved being on the treadmill. Oh. I mean, and just just down the line, and she was just so sweet, and you could tell like she was a, just a sweet natured dog, and and just her her role in Neville's life was just really sweet and cool. And I yeah love Sam. Well, well, before we have to break out the tissues here, let's move on to best quote, Sam. All right. So from Sam the dog to me. All right. Uh, best quote. And, and and we were laughing about there There aren't a ton of quotes because this is, is overall, you know, somewhat of a silent movie. So I think I had to go with the one that I've used in my classroom a few times. That is people who are trying to to make the world worse are not taking a day off. How can I light up the darkness? You know, and, and I, I've told kids this before, you know, I've looked at them and said, you know what? A lot of bad in the world. How much it's up to us. Can we bring the good? Can we bring the kindness? And, and so th- that, that line just really spoke to me. Yeah. And that's probably the right answer, but I've, I've got a goofy backup that I just, I, I enjoy the way it's not deep. It's not even really that funny. I just like the way it's what it comes after and how Will Smith delivers the line. I like Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where well he's, uh, yeah. Quoting, he's, he's, quoting the movie. Yeah. Just to, and he falls into that automaton, you know, almost mm-hmm. and he, just kind of checks out. And he uses the dialogue from that scene to say the things to these two people. They never thought he'd see again. Right. But he used the only way he could communicate with him is from the lines from Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, Sam, you uh, you took a small portion. I'm I'm gonna go with the, the larger mm-hmm. quote here. Um and, and he's he's talking to Anna. Anna is the is the lady's name. Okay. Um he's telling Anna about Bob Marley. You know, he's talking about about what what he was about. And Will Smith says, he had this idea. It was kind of a virologist idea. He believed that you could cure racism and hate, literally cure it by injecting music and love into people's lives. When he was scheduled to perform at a peace rally, a gunman came to his house, shot him down. Two days later, he walked out on the stage and sang. And when they asked him why, he said, the people who are trying to make the world worse are not taking a day off. How can I? light up the darkness there you go yeah but just that just that whole little story you know how you know like an infection you know a little bit of music a little bit of love a little bit of care yep can can spread and take over and cure 
You know, I, I had as a runner-up, though, in, in in case I did have this typed wrong and I wasn't first on that one. I do love when he goes to talk to the mannequin and he's like, I told my friend I'd say hi. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're both scratching your head, but also going, oh, you know, <laughs> during that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my backup was his whole interaction with Fred out in the street, you know, when Fred was in her own spot. You know, that's just the, the whole what thing. No, that? no, man, no. <laughs> what are you doing out here? If you're real, you better tell me right now. Yeah, yeah, just that, just that whole thing. Yeah. Just that whole thing. Oh. And you get and you get some of the like the his vocal like pattern changes there and you're back in fresh prints zone. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I loved that that yep. little moment. Well, you know, when Will does some of the comedy or, you know, gets a really intense, you know, something he don't know quite how to handle, he does revert back to the fresh prints yeah. quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people lose him like in some of his acting situations because you can see that fresh <laughs> prints pop out from now and again. But you know he's like I said, you know, he's he is a great actor. He's a great actor. You know one one that anybody would be lucky to to have on their <clears throat> draft board. So let's move to our draft board, and we have best Will Smith. All right, this being my pick, I get to go first. Yay! I, I'm, I'm gonna go one, and I've seen this movie in a lot of a lot of, and I don't know where it comes from because I love this movie. I love the cast. I love the story. I love what it's about. Kind of loosely based on the, I think it's Isaac Asimov. I wrote that Will Smith and Alan Tudyk, Bridget Monaghan together. I love this movie. I wrote that. <laughs> All right, let's come off the board. And. All right. Um, you know, I went back and forth on my first because you, you know me. My gut reaction is to uh, uh, pull something comic book based, right? And I think now that we've got confirmation that uh, we are going to see the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, I'm going to pull Suicide Squad for my, my first pick. Well, he was a good dead shot. Dead shot. I mean, from... The, from, from that last little bit when he's explaining to his daughter the Pythagorean theorem by, by talking about the, a, a hit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a math. <laughs> okay. I want to win. So, I know what the right answer is. Independent. Uh, it's not my favorite, but I want to win the draft. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a good it's a good uh, establishing movie for him. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it's still the Will Smith movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people really is. Yeah. And it's a good movie. I don't. I, I didn't mean to, to slag oh, it there. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very yeah. fun. Very fun. Very yeah. fun. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go to the first movie that I seen Will Smith in, and I realized he had some chops. Starring opposite Gene Hack, Enemy of the State. It's a good one. Very nice, very nice. Um, okay, so going number two, I, I almost have to go with this just because. One, Kinder would kill me if I did. I'm going to go with Ali. Yes. I mean, the portrayal of Muhammad Ali. I mean, who would imagine Will Smith? I mean, he had, I mean, and we're not talking Chris Evans big here, but he had to get that bulk. boxing bulk. He got swole. Yeah, I mean, he did. But, I mean, it wasn't that ripped kind yeah. of, like we, like we think of Chris Evans, Captain America, yeah. but he had to get bigger. So when you're thinking Fresh Prince and the little gangly dude that, you know, doing parents just don't understand, you know, to have him have to get, you know, jacked the way he did. And then to portray Ali to get the voice patterns to do the boxing, Ali totally. And, and you know, and he didn't do a Tom Cruise, you know, or somebody because he, was so, he is a very recognizable actor. That Will Smith is, but he really sunk into that role and kind of lost the Will Smith in the Cassius Clay Ali character. Your hands didn't see me, guys. Bad voice. <laughs> <laughs> Bad voice or 
No, no, no. I want to win. I don't want to just do the Hot Fuzz reference. <laughs> Scott, I, thought, I thought for sure you'd do Bad Boys 2. Have you seen Bad Boys 2? You've not seen Bad Boys 2. No, I want to win. Bad Boys. <laughs> well, that just opens it up for me. Bad Boys 2. <laughs> because, and, and you know, you're, you're talking about him getting swole in Ollie. And that carried over into his later movies and he, he's a much more physical mm. uh, character even in you know this cop movie he's physical in the first one he's much more physical in this one and, and you see him and Martin Lodge in a lot of a lot of you know sleeveless scenes that, 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 that weren't, yeah. weren't before uh, so yeah but you know just from from having a, you know Michael Shannon uh, you know the hillbilly uh, swamper at the beginning uh, to you know Taking Dan Marino's Cadillac in a test drive and crashing <laughs> all of Miami. I love that. Okay, so I guess it's number three, Dwayne. Number three for me. Um, I kind of mentioned it already, uh, and that's The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a touching movie. I mean, when you think about It Came Before I Have Legend and all that stuff, but. You know, I know, Jamie, we're just serving them up. You are. <laughs> but I went with the ones that had impact on me, all right? I, I guess I've got too much sports ball in my head. I just want to win. Um, you gave it to me, guys, Men in Black. <laughs> you gave me Independence Day, Bad Boys, and Men in Black. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, when you look at this filmography, there's there's some hits. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know, there's there's a few misses, a few, but really, he's he's made he's made he has he's, had a couple of stretches yeah, he's, where he's made a yeah. couple of bad career decisions. But. Yeah, yeah, and, and and some had you know, and some has been construed with you know, with different things. But I mean, even even Hitch was. Um, yeah. Hitch would have been my real number two choice. I love yeah, Hitch. Hitch. Is great, I like Hitch. Yeah, that's so much fun. Making the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he you know, discovers his allergy. I mean, there's, yes. there's so much funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, speaking of sports ball, he, he was in the, I forget the bounce, is it the concussion movie? It's just called Concussion. Concussion. Yeah. Yep. Concussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah I mean, Are we honorable mentioning now? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, how about I, not your first. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I just did. Okay. Concussion movie. Which, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't draft I Am Legend just because it's the movie it's of the, the movie week. We right. Yeah. Um, I love Gemini Man. I know no one watched it. <laughs> it's so unfortunate. No one watched this movie. It's really good. It's really there's some there's some um, uh, some like leap forward in filmmaking technology as well. Um, I, I don't. I mean, it's young because it's young Will Smith fighting old. No, not old. But like you know, real real age. Yeah. And it's seamless. It's remarkable. Just for yeah. the filmmaking stuff. So, it's so this is, they did some de-aging stuff. Yeah. yeah they did some Marvel de-aging. But it yeah. feels real. I mean, for the, the things we were criticizing, like we were frustrated with the CGI in this movie, you don't feel it. It mm. feels like they had a cool. time machine. Like they grabbed him in a DeLorean. I mean, it's it's unreal. And, and it's a good movie. And it's Will Smith doing like Will Smith, I'm a star, but I can act, you know, kind of kind of a role for him. Um, uh, I like Wild Wild West. <laughs> I know no one likes that movie. I get a kick out of it. Oh, my. Um, I like the first hour of Hancock. I want to mention the second hour, just turn it off, pretend, yeah. pretend they lost the, yeah. the film. Yeah, half of Hancock was good. Yeah. 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 And the last one I want to mention is nothing nobody likes. I really like Saving Um It's weird. It's strange. Yeah. But it, it makes me feel things, and it makes me think things. And so, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a real moody movie. Yeah, uh, honestly, I jumped the line. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Well, honestly, you guys—that's sort of fun. You, you guys have kind of mentioned the ones that, that I would have mentioned. You know, Hitch is just—it's so much fun. Uh, it, it's one of those movies that that shows you that that he is an actor, but he also still has those comedy roots, so it works so well. Um, Concussion, you know, is is on that list, um, and just I think it plays so well. It's another one where he's getting into a different character. He's got to get a different diction and speech patterns, things along those lines. Um, and most of Hitchcock, not Hitchcock, but but Hancock, I like, you know, uh, just because it's it's that 
that, you know, what if Superman was a jerk type of feel to it, you know, and it's that kind of thing, you know, before Homelander and, and all those types of characters were, were well known, we had Hancock, you know, kind of. And it is, I mean, that is one of my most disappointing theater experiences mm-hmm. because, I mean, if that first hour had been a two hour movie, that might have been one of my, my favorite Will Smith movies. Right. But the the reveal at the end is so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I was so bummed. I walked out of the theater from exultant to just despondent. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah. I had a couple of those movies I went in excited about. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. What was that movie again? Hancock. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was I'm sorry, I, I was on a little rabbit trail myself. <laughs> but you know what? Because because there's one movie I do want to mention uh, before we wrap up and move on. But uh, you know, and and I think that this movie kind of got s- sidelined because of where it falls in his career because it comes right off the heels of Independence Day, Men in Black, and Bad Boys. He plays a very different role. First off, there in The Legend of Bagger Vance. Mm-hmm. It's a really, you know, yeah. really subdued character to what he was playing in those other ones. Yep. You know, it's really well acted, well made. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Right. Well, guys, that was our uh, draft and our review of uh, I Am Legend. There's one thing I think that we got to do. we got to connect something. Just like Will Smith was trying to connect the cure to the virus. We gotta connect Keanu to our Iron Legend. Is he our cure? Keanu's the cure. Right. He's the legend. He's the legend. And the cure. Jamie, how does he connect? Okay, I've got two. And the one, um, the first one is just an interesting little, you know, sliding door in history. They almost had a completely different cast in place to make The Matrix. Will Smith was this close to being Neo, Mm -hmm. and Sean Connery was this close to being Morpheus. Completely different movie. Wow. So, a, you know, (laughs) almost casting for The Matrix is almost the Keanu connection. But here we go. We've got a good one. So, many famous directors began their careers working on music videos. Uh, David Fincher, Michael Bay is pretty obvious, Um, Zack Snyder, Antoine Fuqua, Certain I said that last name wrong, and Gus Van Zandt, among many others. And the, actually, another thing I've, I've, I thought was curious as I was doing this uh, research, there's a lot of directors who are famous directors who've gone back and done music Fuqua? videos. Sure, Fuqua. I'm not. I'm not doing it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so like, there's this this interesting interplay. Like a lot of famous like who are people who are famous as directors now started off as music video people. And then like they went back. Now there's the, the reverse thing is starting to happen. But but this week's Keanu Connection did a ton, ton of music videos. And you've probably seen a bunch of them. And he's done them for a long time, and he still does them. He hasn't stopped making music videos. Um, here's just a list of the people he has worked with. Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, The Pussycat Dolls, The Black Eyed Peas, Audio Slave. Jennifer Lopez, Gwen Stefani, Janet Jackson, so much Janet Jackson, <laughs> um, Justin Timberlake, Incubus, The Goo Goo Dolls, Pink, Will Smith. I think I know how he got this job. Um, Alanis Morissette, Green Day, Shakira, POD, and a ton, ton more. Um, but two years before, Francis Lawrence directed I Am Legend. He directed Constantine, starring... Our beloved Keanu. And I think Constantine has has moments where it feels like a music video. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this week's Keanu Connection is Francis Lawrence, and once again, I'm rescued by Constantine. <laughs> <gasps> Kaboom. Well, at least it's not the gift this time. <laughs> I haven't went to that well in a while. <laughs> had, to retire, had to retire that one for just a, just a little bit. All righty. Well, that does wrap up our episode here. Uh, before we move on, to tell you about what we're getting into next week. Jamie, what have you picked for us? Well, I picked Near Dark. And then um, Shudder cut a deal with Near Dark and whoever owns the rights to it and will never watch it now because <laughs> you can't even rent it. They won't take your money <laughs> unless you've got a subscription to Shudder. Wow. Um, but so instead, my wife suggested 
Um, she was baffled by the fact that we hadn't picked this already. She just said, why aren't you watching The Lost Boys, you big dummies? So I had to go. I already knew she was smarter than me. She's also writer than me. So we're going to watch <laughs> The Lost Boys. And there is a music video scene in this movie. We've got a shirtless, well, kind of shirtless dude with a giant saxophone yep. featured prominently in this Very movie. So. Yeah. so yeah, we're going to watch The Lost Boys. It's classic. Nice. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, I can't wait to get into this. And guys, unfortunately, the week we've had uh, was unable to do any digging and and find out where this is going to be. So you're kind of on your own. Just get on your Roku search or your Prime, whatever, uh, search it up. Maybe even look at your shelf. It might even be there. Uh, so uh, as we prepare to find a version of The Lost Boy somewhere in the video and streaming world, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to shine up our chainmail vests as we get ready to keep it nerdy. <laughs> 